Warning, this is a message from the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. They're working on it. Reminding you to watch before you listen. This show is full of spoilers and we literally talk about every scene in the movie. Also, we use some not-so-super language, so maybe make your kids go outside and play for a little while so you can listen to two grown men talk about people in costumes fighting other people in costumes in peace. Hello, citizens. Welcome to the Pod Cave. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. This is a show where we talk about some supermen. Sometimes superwomen. What are we talking about today? We're talking about a fun super family with a stretchy one, an invisible one, a big, strong one, and one that's on fire. We're talking about the Fantastic Four. No! There's also a really fast one. So there's five people in this family. Talking about the... uh, And they're Fantastic Four on Fast Forward. And there's one that comes in on a surfboard thing, kind of. Talking about Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. And they're all cartoons. We're talking about The Incredibles. Directed by Brad Bird. Only had one real feature entry into director land before he did this movie. The Iron Giant. Oh. And it's that's a damn good one. It is. You got Groot himself playing Vin- a big iron boy. Vin Diesel? Yeah. Voice oh. of the Iron Giant. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. You learned I something today. should have known that. But what makes this actually unique, this is Brad Bird joining the Pixar team. And when you look at the list, you have directors. John Lasseter did Toy Story, did A Bug's Life. He also co-directed Bug's Life with Andrew Stanton. Um, You have Lee Unkrich and Ash Bannon co-directing Toy Story 2 at this point. Lee Unkrich and David Silverman directing Monsters, Inc. And these were all written by an army of people. Yeah. Incredibles? Written. Directed screenplay by Brad Bird. He was brought in to shake things up at a time when Pixar was just throwing heaters. They were four for four at this time. They didn't need five the shake five, up. Four for four? Yeah, they were. They hadn't missed. They didn't but, They didn't need it, but they were pursuing it anyway, which is it's why they're still so great. Yeah, they were worried about getting complacent. and and. Oh, Brad Bird made sure that there was no complacency here. From everything I read and everything <laughs> I saw, Brad Bird might be a dick. He definitely seems hard to please. Yeah, he knows what he wants, and he's going to get what he wants. Which, you know what, for an animated director where you can't fix it on set, where you have the time that you can go back in and fix something, yeah. and get it exact, this is kind of what you want. That's true. In a director. Yeah. And I mean, the guy wrote it. He knows the tone that he's looking for here. Absolutely. So he's definitely the right guy for it. I saw something where he also was open to suggestion. There were things that he knew he wanted, and then there were things where, like, maybe somebody has an idea that's better than mine. So he was open to compromise in some places, but there were areas where he was just, he knew what he wanted, and that was that. That's one of the things when you go into Pixar. I absolutely love Pixar. I'm not going to hide it at all, is you walk into the brain trust, as they call it which is a group of people where they bounce the ideas off each other. And it's really a team working together. Yeah. At this point, uh, Pixar, I believe, has two teams making movies. I think that they had already split. Okay. Because I want to say that Cars was either just in production. Also, Finding Nemo had only come out, what, 18 months before? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. So So they probably jumped from the Nemo team right onto the Cars team. 
Probably. It would make sense. That checks out. It does. I mean, we didn't Time really wise. I wasn't look there. it up, but. No, I wasn't there. I have no idea. I'll believe him. I can assume. Going off of dates? Yeah, yeah. that's what happened. So that's the fact, Jack-Jack. One of the things I really like about this movie is that it is, unlike anything we've done before, because it's animated. It's not Marvel. It's not DC. It is its own property. And that's why we chose it for this episode. Yes. Up to this point, we've done a DC with Batman. We've done a regular old Marvel with Spider-Man. Regular old Marvel. We went into the MCU with Iron Man. We sure did. And, uh... Now we're doing none of the above. Now here we are with an independent property. Independent property. That's a tongue twister. Could have said IP. Could You chose not to. Well, IP is intellectual property. This will get edited. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the big things that Brad Bird's really pushing for on this movie was kind of taking it to the next level. And they did that by going a place where Pixar has really avoided up until this point. Yeah. Human beings. (laughs) If you look at the humans in Toy Story, they're very stiff. Yeah. Barely see them, which is fine. You get a lot of Sid. That's intentional. You get Andy a little bit. It is intentional. (laughs) It's it's for a reason. Uh, Bugs Life is about bugs. The only human you get in that is the bottom of a foot. (laughs) Yeah. Toy Story 2, you get Wayne Knight. That's like three humans. To their credit. Yeah. Looks great. Oh, it looks amazing. They did a good job on and that. And he's doing a hell of a job voice acting that thing. Mm. And then Monsters, Inc., you, I mean, you get you get Boo. You get Boo. And she's adorable. She, of course she is. And we love it. She's great. Finding Nemo, you do get a couple human characters, but these are so limited. Yeah. These are not the yeah. focal point by any means. These are so limited. The Incredibles is all human. All human. Do you think they pulled it off? I think they did. I think they nailed it. I think they did great. Everything animated in this movie looks incredible. Yes. Not to. This is going to. I'm going to get out of the way now. We're going to say incredible a lot. There's just no way to avoid it. Yeah. So one that I also really love about this movie. What's that? Coach. Coach. Craig T. Nelson. Uh, The skillful acting of Craig T. Nelson. He's terrific. I would say. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I was going to say great. Stupendous. Uh. Fantastic. That's a different family. I see you're dancing around a certain word. I actually was going to say fantastic, but then I realized what movie it was. What's nice about Coach getting the job here is that his the, the coach's assistant, Bill Figureback, I think that's how you say it, he's, he's had a voice acting role for quite some time. Oh, really? Yeah. And at this point, he's uh he's been behind that mic for a good, what, five years probably? Do you have any idea where he is? No, I have no clue. Plays Patrick Starr, SpongeBob SquarePants. Wow. Yeah. So Craig T. Nelson, he decided it's time to get that animated money. It's you gotta get that animated money. He uh he recorded his vocals over the span of two years. What? Two years. It it probably because it kept changing things and whatnot. And yeah. Do you want to know how long uh Jason Lee did his voice recording for? You say like three days, I feel like, or something wild like that. Four days. Oh, all right. <laughs> it was four days. Four days, Jason Lee did all of his lines, and it took Craig T. Nelson over two years. Wow. You know what? Good for Jason Lee. Yeah, good for Jason Lee. That's efficient. Very. Picked the right role, apparently, out of this group. <laughs> but you also have Holly Hunter. Yep. Playing Helen Barr. Who's great. Last a girl. She's amazing in this. She's so good. 
We get another Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, we do. That's two weeks in a row. Lucky us. Yes. Lucius Best or Frozone. Frozone. And he's just a real cool guy. Wink. Ding. <laughs> Those are really your your mains. Yeah. For yeah, the most part. I mean, you Craig get the kids. T. Nelson, your Holly Hunter, your Samuel L. Jackson, your Jason Lee. Yeah. And I, I mean, you get Sarah Vowell and you get Spencer Fox. They're the kids. Yep. We'll, we'll get to them. Yep. They do a great job, too. You do get Wallace Shawn. I love this appearance by Wallace Shawn. It's great. <laughs> it's so good. Do you know what I really liked about the voice talent versus the characters they played? They didn't look anything like them. Nothing. Nothing Which, at all. But that's because Brad Bird exists and because the animators decided to use him yeah. as sort of Mr. Incredible, yeah. sort of, and then sort of Syndrome. I mean, a lot and, more but, Syndrome. A lot more Syndrome. <laughs> A lot more, you know, because he's all yelly and stuff. I watched <laughs> I watched enough behind the scenes Brad Bird videos to really realize how much he looks like Syndrome. It's wild. It's, yeah. It's pretty wild. He looks like like Ron Howard if Ron Howard's head got stretched a little bit. Yeah. That's yeah. really what it comes down to. He didn't realize that Syndrome looked like him until it was too late in the process to change how he looked. Do you think he laughed? Or do you think he got mad? I think... <laughs> At that point, what can you do? There's nothing. I think you he cannot go back. He had to just laugh it off. Good for him. Because we hope. We hope good for him. Then again. But this mm. is also this is also a story that he brought to Pixar. He's yes. been working on this thing since the nineties. Yeah. This movie got released on November fifth, two thousand four. Remember, remember the fifth of November. This yes. is what that poem is about. Is the Incredibles. The release of the Incredibles. Yeah. Everybody knows that. So he brought this to Pixar because he's had this in his mind for a long time. Yeah. And he wanted to do it 2D. This, he's a 2D director yes. for the most part. And yeah. he brought his own team. And he brought his own team because he wanted them to learn 3D as well. Well, yeah. Which is the really, really just smart move thinking ahead. After this, he goes on directs Ratatouille. Yeah. Which is another fantastic massive hit movie. for Pixar. It's incredible. I want to apologize again. <laughs> Should I drink every Skinner. time I say that? Oh, God. You're going to be on the floor. You're going to be like <laughs> Spider-Man waking up after. Exactly. Uh, and uh, Or <laughs> Norman Osborn. Or like Norman. A lot of floor layers. And be like, ah, somebody died last night? I have no idea. And no idea. <laughs> How great would it have been if Willem Dafoe played Mr. Incredibleness? Not the same. Not the same movie. <laughs> it would have been really weird. You know what? Maybe Willem Dafoe wouldn't have worked. I don't know. He's got a good villain voice. I don't know about him as a protagonist. But Helen, I love you. <laughs> Edna, I need you to patch this suit. My super suit. Edna, as played by Brad by Bird. By Brad Bird, because they couldn't find anyone. He had such a distinct like voice that he was looking for that he couldn't find it and eventually just decided to do it himself because it, it made sense when they were doing all... All the the scratch audio, he ended up voicing just about every single male male character. This one just landed. They um they approached Lily Tomlin for the the role. I read that one too. And, that would have uh, been interesting. And she turned it down after she heard Brad Bird's scratch take and says, "What do you need me for? You already got it." That's a pro. That's understanding the arts right there. Yeah. If this movie were filmed today, yeah, who do you think would be playing these roles? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt as Mr. Incredible? At least three of the roles. Because <laughs> he is in everything. They'd, they'd make him definitely Mr. Incredible, and they'd probably make him Jack-Jack for, for laughs. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking you're going to get Amy Sedaris 
as uh, Elastigirl. That's a cool pick. Because the voices are so similar. Yeah, that's a really cool pick. And I think you're getting T.J. Miller as Syndrome. Do you think they'll let the guy work? I don't know. He's got issues. Yeah. He's got he, a few issues going on. He does, but he has the exact same voice. Sort of. I think Jason Lee has a more juvenile voice for it. Sure. And that's why it plays into the character really well. Sure. But I think if you're going for similarity, it's going to be T.J. Miller. Probably. That'd be a much more annoying character. Oh, absolutely. I would <laughs> hate it. <laughs> I love Jason Lee in just about everything he's done. Yeah, I do too. I, Jason Lee, we miss you. Come back. Yeah, where Come are Come back you? to us. Where are you, buddy? Get off the escalator. <laughs> I miss Earl. Kids on the goddamn escalator again. <laughs> I bet as uh, Frozone, you get someone like, like Aziz and Sorry. I think- you probably get Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> You're probably right. They, I mean, they base the character off of him. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. It completely makes sense. Aziz, maybe. We're not trying to fire any of these people, but. <laughs> and I think you get Brad Bird as Edna. I think you have to. <laughs> I think you have to. I don't know. There's a lot to unpack in this movie. There's a whole lot. Should we just dive in? I guess this so. Is gonna be, this is going to be a weird one. We know that. I'm going to ask you outright. I made the claim last week. That I did not love Iron Man right up front. Where yeah. do you stand with this one? I like this movie. But? As oh, an animated movie, as a Pixar movie, as a family movie, as a, as a lot of things. Here's the thing. Us. Me and you. Yeah. The Cape Podcasters. Yes. Every week we slap on our, our very slim masks that only cover our eyes. Right. So people don't know who we are. Your identity is the most... Is the most important thing. Yeah. We learned that in this movie. That's why we, we say it up front at the top of the we podcast. We make sure of it. <laughs> our not so secret. We give identities. our real names and yep. then we say that we're the Cape Podcasters. Now you don't know who we are. Anymore. Then we put on the masks. We put on the masks at that point. We're not a superhero movie. Yeah. You seem to you seem to leave that part out that this is a superhero movie. Yeah. Don't love it as a superhero movie. Okay. But we'll get to that. We're going to. We are going to That's get interesting. To that. So this movie starts out with a documentary. Yeah. Talk about unusual. Yeah, you get the kind of the little box. Uh, they're talking about their secret identities, yep. like we just did. Kind of weak secret identities. We like to nitpick movies that we really like. Yeah. I had a lot of trouble nitpicking this movie. Really? And that scares me because I think this movie's almost perfect. And I'm throwing almost out there because there's a few things. Okay. Okay. Almost perfect. Almost perfect. Directed okay. by Cameron Crowe, starring... <laughs> Craig T. Nelson. I thought it was Brad Bird. <laughs> They're talking about secret identities. Secret identities. These are real fucking weak right away. <laughs> no one sounds like Craig T. Nelson. No one has that big of a head for a small mask. No one sounds like Holly Hunter. And no one sounds like Samuel L. Jackson in the world. I think Amy Sedaris kind of sounds like <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Besides that. Um, no, you're right. That is, It just feels weak. It's a very- that This is a weird spot to open up when you have these unique characters- who look unique also right. talking about secret identities. It's flimsy. Did you did you ever see the alternate opening? I did not. They show up at this block party and uh they're introduced to some of the neighbors and Helen has to defend her position as a homemaker and she starts getting very upset. At which point they have not revealed that these are superheroes yet. But why is she getting upset about that? Because she's defending her position. Because this other woman is, is like, oh, I can't, I wouldn't be able to throw away my my life like that and be so unimportant and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, unimportant? Whoa. Yeah. And she uh, she comes real close to laying the smack down on this girl, at which point Mr. Incredible 
has to fake an injury by cutting. He's over there cutting steak, and he takes the the knife and and hits his fingers. And somebody over here screams like, "Oh my god!" And he has to fake like, "Oh, I'm in pain." Like a soccer player. Yeah, exactly. Right. He flops down on the ground. He grabs a bottle of ketchup and squirts it all over his hand, so it looks like he's bleeding. And then they peace out. Okay. And uh, like, oh, I'll take him to the hospital. There's no time to call an ambulance. And then in, as they're driving away in the car, he's like, you don't even know where the hospital is, do you? And that's kind of how they introduce these characters. It's it's from when they first moved to this new community. And it would make sense that they would do that. Because... Violet's a baby. Yep. And, and then uh, Syndrome shows up at their house. Looking, I saw this. Looking saw for Mr. This Incredible. Yep. Yeah. I saw this part. This is before a... he was chosen as the main villain. He yeah. was going to be just the intro villain. Sure. With the same powers. Is it a different way to open it? It was. Probably more in line with the genre. Probably. But let me ask you this. Is in that opening, what year was it? Because oh, this boy. movie has a very specific I believe I guess, design it was, to it. It was the same as it would have been in the documentary opening. Okay. So, so we're looking circa late, 1947. Roughly. That's yeah. what I saw. Also, you want to know what's happening in 1947? What is? The Joker is running through Gotham. <laughs> as we talked about in previous episodes. That's true. So we're briefly in, we're going to call it circa 1947. Sure. Uh, there's one line here that really stands out to me. And we talked about it as the independent article about what modern superhero movies don't have. Oh, yes. And Helen Parr is laying it on the fucking line instantly, where she says, leave the saving the world to the men? I don't think so. Great line. Helen Parr has elevated herself above every woman we've discussed, maybe not Pepper Potts, so far <laughs> to this point in the first sentence, 30 seconds of a movie. <laughs> She's a badass. She's an absolute fucking force in this movie. Yes. She is my favorite part of this movie. She's Hands great. down. She's great. Hands She's down. Easily the most developed female character we've seen so far. I think she's an extremely developed female character in general. Yeah. In movies, not even just superhero movies. That is an unbelievably written character and an unbelievably well-acted character. Yes, I agree. So we move to a car chase. I really like the Incredibile. It's pretty good. That's it's, Is that how you say it? The Incredibile? I would call it the Incredibile. I would too. You know, not like a fucking jackass. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's awesome. It's it's great. It reminds me of the 66 Batman, yep. which makes me happy. Yep. I like its little transform buttons and how it lays him down to put the suit on, even though it then like pretty much transforms the car and anybody nearby would be like, oh, hey, that. Oh, that's Mr. Incredible. Yeah. That's got to be him. Right. So he's driving around because he has his little police scanner in the car. He sure does. And an awesome GPS for 1947. Not 947 anymore. Oh, right. We're 15 years later. That's right. So we're for, 1962. Um, no, this is still 47. This part? Oh, this part would be 47. Yes. You're right. You're right, you're right, you're right. We haven't hit the 15-year later mark we yet. We have not. It's a great GPS. Either way, it yeah. doesn't matter what year. Yeah. doesn't matter. Hell, it'd be great for 2018. I agree. You're not driving any lakes or anything like that. And you're tracking cars. You're tracking that cars. That have nothing. That yeah. have nothing on them. No tracking devices whatsoever. Mr. Herbal saves a cat. Sure does. that's a hero. He uh, he seems pretty perturbed about the whole thing, though. He's like, yeah, I don't know. He does, that. but he keeps repeating, I've still got time. I've still got time. But he's not really talking about the getaway car. No, he's not. No. We have other plans. We do. But before those plans, we get to meet a very important character named Buddy. Oh, Buddy. Or as we're going to call him for now, Incredible. Incredible. 
He wants to become Mr. Incredible's sidekick. He sure does. Gets in the, he's in the car when Mr. Incredible gets back in. He is his number one fan. And as a number one fan, he gets his ass ejected out of the car. He sure does. Because Mr. Incredible's a dick and he works alone. I work alone. We end up on, well, there's like some sort of robbery, I guess. We end yeah, up on a roof. Purse snatcher. Yeah. We're in a roof. Yep. And for a Disney Pixar movie, we see a gun pointed a gun. at our hero. This ain't no fucking kids movie. Uh, no. No, as far as kids movies what go. What the hell? Is, well, there was already gunfire in the movie as soon as they, It's true. As soon as they cut away from the documentary, there are people shooting at cops. What the hell? That's how you open a Pixar movie. Well, actually, I am going to go back to this. How this movie opened was it opened with the Disney Castle. Yes. They had to get special permission to have Michael Giacchino's score play over the Disney Castle. I believe what you meant to say was Michael fucking Giacchino. I apologize, Michael. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. There's only one way we talk about composers on this show. It's true. When they're good. When they deserve when it. When they're good. When that's, they deserve that's it. That's fair. Ramin, you didn't get it, man. You didn't get a fucking. Ramin Jamadi was just fine. So we're on a rooftop. A gun gets pointed at Mr. Incredible. He bats it out. And then uh, we get our, our first instance of Elastigirl. Elastigirl. We meet her because she ends up. Elasta punching this dude out. She sure does. The we know that she got there first because the uh, bad guy says so. He did. What a guy! Yeah, what a nice guy. Actually, she was here first. Then he collapsed. How did he know? I don't know. I don't know. Because I feel like you know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. (laughs) Would he still be going through the purse if he knew Elastigirl was right around the corner? She's always right around the corner. She could just reach around anything. Doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter where she is. Fair. We got our first instance of what may be the most horned up couple imaginable here oh yeah oh boy those juices are flowing yeah big time there's some chemistry they're really horned up sure are (laughs) oh he's like hey you want to do something and she's like i have a prior engagement you see what they did there i see what they did there and then she uh she slinkies away on some rooftops. I really love that shot. It was a pretty neat shot. That's a great shot because it's little... going into the sunset and you see her slinking away and her stretching every now and then. It's, oh, it's so good. Yeah. And then you get the little lens flare over the top of the building. We do. And then we get to meet Frozone. Then we get to meet Frozone. He's got the power of skating. The power of ice skating. He's like Apollo Anton Ono. Yeah. Of Olympics of the past. Oh, Just I'm... skating his ass off. Just doing his thing. Changing... Water molecules into, into ice. ice. There's a good shot of the Schwartz and the bad side of the Schwartz. He got the bad side of the Schwartz. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas everyone else got the good side in terms of superpowers. Seems like it. Well, then again, I mean, ice powers are pretty neat. I think I think he brought the, the speed skating to it. Before, it was just ice powers. He's like, oh, you know what I can He's do? He's like, this is great. He's so like, you're saying that Iceman and X-Men yeah. could be a little more useful if you learned to ice skate. Absolutely. He'd be a lot quicker. I agree with you. You're probably right about that. We'd probably see him in more movies instead of not kissing a girl because he'll die. Well, yeah, you don't want to die. Dying's bad, guys. Don't die. We get to meet our intro villain next. Yes. He's wonderful. He is great. Bon voyage. Bon voyage. His original name, Dom Perignon, or Bomb Perignon, but the people at Dom That's are like- That's really good. No, you can't do that. That's really good. It is. Bomb- this also, really good. This was this was meant to be a great intro villain. Oh, no absolutely! What. He comes in. He's got his big vest on, full of bombs. Do you think he has a superpower? Nope. Okay. He looks like he's got like sort of mime paint on. 
Oh, he's definitely got mime paint on. But he is very but he's French. Talking. Oh, he's extremely French. I think that's just the French part of him. He's not just really a mime. He's just like, this is how I show how French I am. It's when you're born in France, you come out, and you you come out of the womb pretending you're in a glass box. Yeah. I'm assuming. And then either- I've never been a French kid. Either you learn your first words, yeah. or- Sacre bleu! Or you become a mime. Baguette. Yes. I could be a French kid. Omelette du fromage. I don't know what that is. That's a cheese omelet. Oh, <laughs> a royale with cheese. There you go. Samuel Jackson. <laughs> Frozone. <laughs> so as Mr. Incredible is fighting Bomb Voyage, he doesn't really fight him. He kind of just captures him on the spot. Yeah. Very. Very convenient that he like saved that suicide guy and landed on the scene. I forgot of about the suicide crime. guy. Very important. Very important. Also, keep in mind, still a Disney movie. Still, there's a suicide reference there. There is a, a suicide, a thwarted suicide attempt yeah. within the first 10 minutes of the movie. Yep. We are, you know, classic going Disney. crazy with this right now. You so know, not- the classic Disney machine guns against cops and suicide attempts. Of course. You know. Walt's in his grave applauding somewhere. He's like, this I'm is great. Sure. This is what his frozen corpse. For- it's just clapping his frozen, frozen arms together. Yeah. This is what I've been working toward, guys. You nailed it. So as Bomb Voyage gets captured, guess who's there? Is it Incrediboy? It is Incrediboy. Oh. Somehow found his way up to this location now. Impressive. Showing off his rocket, rocket boots. boots. Showing a little ingenuity right away. Yeah. He's a little uh, inventor, that one. Yeah. And he says, not every superhero has powers, you know. You can be super without them. Yes, you can. Just look at Bomb Voyage. It's true. But I feel like this is something that Brad Bird actually believes. Because in Ratatouille, what's the go-to line? Anyone can cook. Anyone can cook. So Brad Bird, big believer of people. He likes people following their dreams. Yeah. Being all they can be. That's exactly it. Yeah. You can be super, you can cook, you can do whatever. You can cook super? But why not what you shouldn't do? What? Have a goddamn cape. Yeah, do not have a cape. Bomb Voyage sticks a bomb. Incrediboy's cape. He takes off on his rocket boots. Mr. Incredible tries to save him. Uh, Incrediboy, buddy. I don't know what to call him at this point. Right. He gets all pissed off because he's ruining the flight pattern. Uh, grabs the bomb. Doesn't even realize he's got a bomb on got his cape. Got a bomb on him. And, then, and he, uh, lands, he lands on a train track, I guess. And a bomb goes off well, and the, blows up the train track. The bomb. We just keep moving along in this story. And then now he's got a, he's got got a train a, coming. Train's coming. What do we got to do? We got a Spider-Man this thing. We do have to Spider-Man this thing. We gotta stop this train. He's just a kid. Sorry, that's Spider-Man too. We're not there yet. Yeah, we're not there yet. <laughs> so he stops the train. Barely. Barely stops the train. We'll call it. We'll give it to him. He does stop it. He does. We'll give him that. He tells the cops. You know, if Frozen was there, he could have just froze filled the in the track. You'd think the train would have skated right along. Yeah, just kept going. Oh well. Saves the day. He tells the cops that oh, I saw a bomb voyage. It was him. Trust me. Yeah. In the, the 1940s, like, you could just trust that. That's like, fine. So, like, we have to go get him? Yep. I thought you were going to handle this. Well, he can't handle it, because now he's late. He's like, I got places to be, man. Now he's uh, late. I might be a superhero, but I have a life. He does have a life. And soon, I'll have a wife. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Did that. Because remember that girl he was all horned up for? Yeah. Guess what her prior engagement was? It was an engagement. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. They get married. They get married. The last married. the girl and Mr. Incredible. Bob and Helen, they get married. Bob and Helen get married. They're civilian selves. Yep. With a lot of superheroes in the audience. Uh-huh. The, the, they're just hanging out there, and the priest doesn't question it. He's just like, nope. yeah, you guys are married. You got superhero Fine. friends. That's cool. But they're not worried because 
Quote, we are superheroes. What could happen? What could happen? Lawsuits could happen. Cut to 1962. People getting sued left and right. The guy's all pissed off because... I wasn't trying to get saved. You didn't save my life. You ruined my death, is the direct quote. <laughs> you ruined my death. I would like to remind you, this is a Disney Pixar Disney movie. movie. The superheroes start getting sued for damages. Yep. And the they bus, come, the, the train people not are happy. also suing. They're not happy. Like, I got injured on that train. Well, yep. you would have died if I didn't do anything. Yeah. Well, okay, no, sue me, whatever. But they're fucking up buildings all at the same time also, and this has been happening for a while. Sure. They come up with the, the superhero sure. relocation program. Yeah. The Sokovia Accords. Go on. Well, yeah, you know, in Civil War when they're like, hey, we need to be able to hold these superheroes accountable. So this is an idea that's gotten thrown around quite a bit. Though. A lot. Because I mean, it's Watchmen like kind of originated. Watchmen, definitely. Uh, it's been a part of the X-Men for a long time. Yeah. You know, it's, it, the whole all of Civil War is based on the, do we have to register superheroes or not? Yeah, it's true. This is a, this is a regular theme. We go to 15 years later in a cut that I absolutely love. Because you have all this whole colorful opening, and now we're going to see Bob Parr in his little cubicle. Yeah. And it is very He's whitewashed and not very boring and very bland. He's talking to an old lady. Right. He's still a superhero, though. Still a superhero. He's a super insurance claims guy. He <laughs> is, and he's finding <laughs> loopholes, and he is still helping people. He helps the old lady. So that's cool. That is cool. Saving lives. It's true. But the thing that we take away from this oh. is we get introduced to Gilbert Huff. To Gilbert Huff. Who is not happy. He's very angry. And, and very we know he's short. Angry. We know he's angry because only his jaw's flopping around. That's true. In a very angry way, though. Oh, the angriest jaw flopping. Wallace Shawn. Excellent. And he comes in and he says. In a performance that is inconceivable. And that's how jokes are stolen. Sometimes, if I were like Dash, I would have been faster. Sorry. And I was beaten to it. I apologize. And I appreciate you. Okay. <laughs> Twist ending there. I just want to. I thought I was going to get yelled at. Why would you get yelled at? I don't know. That's inconceivable. <laughs> I wanted to say it. I know. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done that to you. It's brilliant. He's so good, though. Wallace Shawn is crushing it in this. He doesn't have a lot. Well, he, does, he actually has quite a bit to do. Yeah. He's kind of the MacGuffin in my mind in terms of this movie because he gets very angry at Bob Parr here. Yep. Because he's losing the insurance company money by giving these people all these loopholes. By giving them loopholes. Exactly. The dynamic between these two is hilarious. It's really good. Bob it, is so defeated. And he's- At all times. Huge. Yeah, he's a and monster. tiny little Gilbert is just- belittling him at every turn and there's nothing bob with his super strength can do about it why don't he could do about it what if he had super speed could have put tax on gilbert's chair could have done that but he couldn't who would do such a thing though so we cut to the principal's office and dash (laughs) has gotten in trouble and helen's sitting there in the principal's office dash is apparently putting tax on his teacher's chair for 1962 the teacher says that he videotaped this yeah did that technology exist i wasn't around I'm going to assume it didn't. I don't know. 62? There weren't really televisions in every home yet, but this type of technology is hiding a camera. How big would the camera have been? Yeah, that's frankly inconceivable. In the clip that we see of Dash putting the tacks on the chair, we clearly see Dash move. Oh, yeah. But then the rest of the clips, we can't see it. Yeah. I feel like that's manipulation, and I don't like it. It is a little manipulative, but it's, I mean, it's getting the point across. It is getting the point across, but Pixar's kind of- did it. Pixar, we know Dash did it. 
kid's got a shitting grin the entire time. Oh, absolutely. Helen knows that he did it because obviously knows about the super. But this speed. is also our introduction to Dash. It's true. So they kind of need to lay out like, yeah, this little shit. He uh, he did do that thing. He doesn't have a crazy teacher. Also, did the principal not watch this videotape before he called Dash's mom in? I don't think so. Before he called Helen in? He's just I don't like, think hey, so. maybe I should review this. Make sure that this isn't just you being a crazy person. Teacher seemed a little crazy, didn't he? He seemed it. Maybe just because he got such a wide head. It was very wide. I mean, that's hey, what, Arnold-like. That's what happens when you use the everyman. Well said. Very well. Why don't you explain that? The everyman is the character that they based all of the extras in this movie on. They made one sculpt and then just kind of randomized features for all the crowd scenes and, and supporting characters. The principal and the teacher are based on the same model. It's a brilliant money-saving idea. It's incredible. There it is again. And I'm going to drink. And <laughs> drink. So Dash goes home. I don't know if this is after school or not, or if he got kicked out for the day. He's Helen's driving him home. Yes. Uh, at this point, she gives him the everyone's special speech. Well, Dash gives her the, which is another way of saying no one is speech. Hmm. Interesting. I think we found ourselves a theme. Seems like it. It seems like it. It seems like maybe if everyone's special, nobody's special. But there's also another member of this family. There is. There's two more. Two more. But we're going to be another one now. We get introduced to Violet Park. Violet. She's just a shy, nervous little girl who's got a crush on this yeah, guy. I don't know why, but when she was watching that guy, I kept thinking of Tina Belcher from Bob's Burgers. No, that's that's apt. I Yeah. And that's a problem for me, because then I imagine her going invisible talking about butts. Oh, yeah. About Tony Ridinger's butt. <laughs> <laughs> and we think, we know she likes Tony Ridinger's butt. She goes invisible at this point because she's all shy and stuff. Yeah. She didn't need to be really that all that invisible. She says, oh, he looked at me. But he did doesn't he? fucking know. He could have been he, looking at a squirrel behind her. He saw nothing. Saw nothing. She saw he, Tony Ridinger's butt. He didn't even see her clothes floating there because they don't go invisible. Because they don't go invisible does. yet. So Bob comes home for dinner. Yep. I really like the car that they gave him. Oh, it's great. He's a monster in it's that car. <laughs> the tiniest little thing. And he gets all pissed off and he dents the car, kind of the- yeah. The door area, so the door can't close. Little rooftop. Gets really pissed at the car, picks it up over his head, and we get introduced to a character that doesn't play a big role, and I love him. He's- I want to adopt that cartoon. I love Rusty. He's a name? Oh, yeah. His name is Rusty. Where does he get a name? I don't know. I think it's only like mentioned in the credits or something, but his name is Rusty. Rusty McAllister. He's got a last name. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And his little bubble gum just- He pops that bubble gum, he's, Mr. and Carl puts that car down, and he's going to go have himself some leftover night. Yeah, let me uh, go inside and eat this steak. I really like this scene a lot while they're having dinner because it really sets up the family dynamic. Absolutely. And I think that's extremely important yes. to this story. Yes. Is that this is a family that happens to be super. Yes. And Agreed. That, but the thing I really like about this is that this is the first time I realized, like, oh- there's superheroes in this world, and it's a totally normal thing. Yeah. And that really didn't – I didn't connect that, I guess, until – I mean, you kind of get that idea when uh, – When Lucius comes by, maybe? Well, I was going to say earlier when when um, Mr. Incredible is on the roof and and Frozone flies by and is just like, hey, what's up? I'm That's just actually gonna, pretty fair. I'm going to thwart this crime over here. What are you up to? Aren't you going to – you got somewhere to be, right? That's very fair. It's very casual. They're just superheroes yelling across rooftops to each other. Got to talk somehow. Which, why doesn't that happen in the Marvel Universe more often? I don't know. That'd be great. They're not really throwing crimes, though. They're kind of big picture people. 
They're, that's true. they're dealing with that's true. the real issues. Not the little... You got your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. It's, that's a very good point, actually. But then I guess he wouldn't really have anybody to interact with other than like the Netflix shows. And it's true. They're not making the... Do you know who I think is going to make the leap? Oh. I think if anybody does, Wilson Fisk. That's fair. I think Vincent D'Onofrio might show up in a Spider-Man movie in the That'd future. That would be very cool. But that's the only one I see actually making yeah. the jump. So they're having leftover nights. Uh, no one's really hungry. No. But... Uh, Violet really doesn't care for the meatloaf. No, but Dash says that she would if... Uh, <laughs> She's hungry for Tony Ridinger. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is the most horned up family ever. Uh, they start fighting. And I really like the no force fields, how she fires a force yes. field off and hits it. And just finds kids fighting. And this is how they fight because Absolutely. they have powers. Um, That's how I would have fought with my siblings if I had powers. Lucius kind of breaks it up. And him and Bob are going out. It's bowling night. It's bowling night. But what no bowling night really means? It means sitting in the car listening to the police scanner because we can't move on. Nope, nope. It's been 15 years, and I just want to get back to those glory days. This is where I realized my first issue of this movie. Well, another issue of this movie. I don't know if my first, because I told you my first already. Yeah. Lucius lives in this city. Is this the same city as the opening of the movie? I don't know. Because they're placed- It doesn't say a lot for their relocation service. Exactly. (laughs) And him and Lucius happen to be placed in the same city together. That's fine. But is this the same city? Because it's not a very big relocation. Uh, No, it's not the same city. I want to say there's like Municiburg or something. It was like Municiburg, and, and they moved to Metropoville or something like, like that. that. Something. So actually, I guess not. I have it written down somewhere, but that's lucky though that him and Lucius got to stay together. I mean, they probably moving massive amounts of superheroes around at the same time, and people were bound to overlap. I guess. Well, I don't know. They listen to the police scanner because they're moonlighting, and they can't get over the past. Metroville. Metroville. From Municiburg to Metroville. That's terrific. On the police scanner, they hear of. A fire that's nearby. Bob gets all fired up. There's ah. a fire and he gets fired up. Oops. <laughs> They're going to go save it. And they have a certain onlooker. You know, Lucius is not too excited about the whole premise. He's not because he just wants to go bowling. Yeah. He wants to do what they He's said like, they're going to do. Why don't we for once just do what we said we're going to do? And Bob's like, oh, fire. <laughs> just super Lucius is a good stoked. friend. Lucius is a good friend. He is. They're going to go. They're going to go do it. Uh, someone onlooking from the car, though. Yes. And we see Mirage for the first time. Mirage, who- uh, Plays a role. She plays a big role. She plays a role. She's not a super well-developed character. She's not, but- She's kind of just moving the plot forward. Yeah. She has a little more depth. She's important, but- Yeah, we'll we'll get to it. Uh, They go into the fire, and they're dressed as criminals, because that's their new idea. Because they have to be- They don't have suits. Right. They need to hide their identity still, but- Yeah, because secret identities are very important. Uh, Frozone cannot create ice to put out fire because There's no water. No water. Uh, Mr. Incredible just charges through a wall and they end up in a jewelry store and they're still dressed as criminals and the cops and they, come. Yeah. And they send in one police officer. One officer who gets his ass frozen. Who doesn't want to stop a man from drinking. Hey, shot fired. Then the other cops run in. Yeah. Because that's when it's an issue. Send in one. See if he, if he's okay. And then we'll decide if the rest of us should go. Exactly. Either way, the on-fire people, they survive. Yeah. So that's great. Jewelry store, never robbed. Never robbed. Nothing Bob missing. comes home. Bob goes through the wall at the jewelry store, and Mirage is like, hey, this guy that's been with Frozone while we've been watching him, he might be of more interest to us. Because she was just watching Frozone. She had no idea who he was. I didn't even connect that. Yeah. She was like, she was like, oh, he's with, he's with the fat guy again. It wasn't until Bob went through that wall that she realized, oh, that's another super. I didn't even connect that. Yeah. That's pretty neat. When Bob comes back home, he's humming the Incredibles theme song. 
That's pretty awesome. That's it's very That's pretty awesome. Very cool. That is very cool. But not humming for long. No. Because <laughs> Helen is waiting. Yeah, she's uh she's like it's been a pretty late bowling night. Is Came that, home late. I came home, that's how you know. <laughs> rubble on your shoulder. <laughs> that's so good. Uh, like that that's such a good touch. Yes. Because obviously you get like the lipstick on the collar out. Right. Is that rubble on your shoulder? She knows what he's been doing. Absolutely. And they start arguing about it. And this part blows my mind because usually you don't see this type of, I guess, interaction between animated characters where they're getting deep into an issue here. Yeah. This is not kids movie stuff. No. This isn't a fish talking to another fish. <laughs> this is marital this, issues. This is not just keep swimming. Th- this is. Yeah. This is for real. This is something this serious. Is... The kids hear it. They come out. I don't want to go to Dash's fourth grade graduation. Because it's not a real graduation. These according pe- to him, these normal people keep finding ways to celebrate mediocrity and stifling those who are actually great. How crazy of a line is that? We kind of see that it says a lot. It does say a lot. Um, Helen's just more upset because she feels like that Bob's just missing out on the family. Yeah, on these kids like growing yeah. up, but she's stretched thin trying to keep this family together. Okay, let's get into it then. So <laughs> the powers sync up perfectly with their with personalities. Their personalities. That's how Brad Bird wrote it. So you well, have yeah, Helen stretching because she's a mom and she has to stretch. She gets stretched thin here. Bob feels like he's kind of the backbone of the family. Yeah. Everything rests on his shoulders. Big brawn joy. He's a very strong man. Dash is a kid. He's, Can't fucking control he's him. He's your little he's a speedy 10 year old ADD yep. riddled. And then you get your teenage girl. Who's Ooh. Insecure, insecure and shy. And everything and like that. And wishes she was invisible. Hey, how about that? Oh, she is. And Jack-Jack. Jack-Jack has all the potential in the world to be whatever he wants because he's just a baby. He's a goddamn baby. It's perfect. Yeah. It's very well done. I, I really love the family dynamic scenes in this. Yes. They don't need to even have superpowers in it, but they use them. They just happen. It's a part of them. Yeah. It doesn't feel like they're it's very using it to, just... to do anything. It's very just... It happens. It's like, hey, I'm going to stretch my arms out super wide to hold your kids back. That's exactly it. Yeah. Whereas you have Spider-Man, every time he uses the web, it's a big deal. Right. But here, it's it's another thing. Every single time he goes swinging through the streets, you get Danny fucking Elfman. Yeah, these guys don't have it, though. They don't. They don't have, they they don't need the benefit. They're just having normal life aided by superpowers. By that wonderful little jazz score of Michael Giacchino. Which is great. We cut back to Bob's office. I can't even get out of his goddamn cubicle because he's so goddamn big. He's huge. Uh, Gilbert Hupf is very angry at him because all of his customers are smart because he told them the loopholes about everything. Bob gets all pissed off. Oh, yeah, he does. It's real pissed off. I love this office because there's nothing in it. There's nothing. I yeah. really love that design. There's nothing in it. Except for a guy outside getting mugged. Yeah. And Bob can't take his eyes off it. And Bob's says, like, I got to go help that gotta guy. Go help him. If you go help him, you're fired. Yeah. Gilbert. So, or he says, I'm glad we don't. I hope we don't insure that guy. So, <laughs> Great line. He's still working. He's still working. Still, always working. Uh, always be closing. So he threatens to fire him. And to show that he doesn't give a fuck, mm. he throws him through many walls. Many walls. This is an issue because we get introduced to another character. Named Rick Dicker. It's Rick Dicker. <laughs> what a great name. Yep. <laughs> so Rick Dicker is, I, I'm assuming he's kind of like their liaison almost. Their yeah, it seems like a government liaison to supers and yeah. part of the relocation program. Part of the relocation, he says they're going to have to relocate him again. They just, they literally just moved into this he house. reminds so. me a lot of Tommy Lee Jones and Men in Black. 
Yeah. Especially when he starts talking about wiping memories. They should have gotten Tommy Lee Jones for this. I agree. That'd be perfect. Uh, but Bud Lucky does a good enough job. It's true. For a character that's barely in the movie. That's also true. Bob goes home. He's been fired. He decides to empty out his, his briefcase, but sees an envelope that he's never seen before. Yeah, that's new. How'd that get there? And we get introduced to the iPad. The iPad <laughs> in 2004. In 2004, in 1962. Yeah. Yeah, well. This keep... is new technology no matter how you look at it. The iPhone didn't even come out until 07. Yeah. The iPad didn't launch until 2012. So this is like groundbreaking technology they're showing in this movie. And now you look at it and you're like, yeah, okay, it's an iPad. Yeah, it's fine. Steve Jobs, I get it. You know, Pixar. We learn about the Omnidroid for the first time. Yep, the Omnidroid. Bob gets offered a job by Mirage, by the way. Yep. And says he can make three times his annual salary for doing this job. Which is something he wants to do anyway because he wants to go be super. Yes. As always, this mesh was self-destruct. Naturally. And it does. Yep. And there's sprinklers in the house. Yeah. I don't understand it. I don't know I either. wasn't around in 1962. Maybe that was a thing. Maybe. I don't think so. He takes the job, goes on a, air quote, business trip. Or business trip. He meets Mirage, and Mirage tells him that this Omnidroid has become too smart. Too smart. And it won't take orders anymore. And the longer you fight it, the more it learns about you. Yeah, it's a taskmaster. It is a taskmaster. So, uh... I really like how he launches out of this plane as after he learns about it and it's too fat to get out of the out of, get out of there. <laughs> it is great. He's too fat. It's a good touch. His little his belly gets stuck. <laughs> it's so <laughs> and he looks so embarrassed about it. He's just like, come on. He can't get out of the tube. He has to go back into it and break out of it. Yep. With his super strength. Yep. And then he starts running. Can't do that for very long because he's an out of shape man now. Yeah. It's been a while since he's done this. Finds the robots, learning robot. Everything he does, it learns. Yep. They uh they pull a bit of a Vader move here and fight next to lava. Yep. Got to fight he next to lava. lava. Lava doesn't kill that fucker. Nope. It just comes out burning hot and swinging its little propellers at him. Sure does. Bob realized that his strength isn't really going to beat this, but his smarts. Got to use a super brain. Ah. So he hides underneath it. The Omnidroid can't see him. He ends up just going inside the Omnidroid, and the Omnidroid beats itself to death. Yeah. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. You win. Clever. They decide whoever this mysterious boss is. This mysterious boss. Decides that he wants to have Bob in for dinner. Yep. So Mirage and, and Bob are going to have dinner in the lava room. That's well, all I can really call it. That's it's the lava room. name for it. We got our second look at a very long table. Very, yeah. It's and they sit on opposite sides of it. They do, but they're having a very easy conversation. Yeah. Not, not quite the same as uh, Bruce Wayne. and. Did you like that they were flirty? They were very flirty. They were very flirty, and I did not love it. I didn't love it either. Do you think that that Bob was acting because he's finally a superhero again? That he's trying to just be cool? I think maybe he was just he's just very excited that he beat this this Omnidroid, and he's he's got his his groove back, and he's like, you know what? I can't stop myself. You you couldn't. I got that. It kind of took it me out of it a few times. Doesn't play well with the family man image. It really, really doesn't. But maybe that's by design. Possibly because. This is not a kids movie, as right. we've are we've learned at this right. point. So Stella's got his groove back. Stella's getting his groove back because he keeps training. He keeps he's lifting trains. Well, sure, he's pulling those things, and he and he and Elastigirl are getting at it down hard. Oh, big time! Constantly boning down. Yeah, it's getting real awkward around the house for the kids. I'd imagine. Would you really want to be around your parents all horned up that that no. long? No, no, thank you. No. Also, like, what's gotten into this guy all of a sudden? He's getting in shape. He's he's playing catch with 
Yeah, Dash. he's now fatherly because he's kind of he's happy again. Yeah. But do you he's think that a football he would have been this way the entire time if he didn't get dragged down with like the whole mundane insurance job? Probably. Or is this know. kind of like an a, an awakening? I think it's an awakening. Okay. How could you really say? Maybe if he had been a superhero this whole time, this is how he'd be raising his family. It's possible. I mean, we can't see that, unfortunately, because know. we got to see the mundane thing. Yeah. One who could have seen it. Who? Someone with very big glasses. Very big glasses. So, Mr. Incredible has a tear in his suit. Oh, because the he's damn going to go droid. to probably my favorite character in the whole movie. She's phenomenal. If Edna, not a little racist. Edna Mode. Edna Mode. E. May or may not be racist. From what I read, she's European and Japanese. Yeah. German, Japanese. Yeah. She's she's wonderful. She's great. Voice by Brad Bird. I love her. Oh. Even if she man. says darling a lot. She does. She says it a She lot. hates supermodels, loves superheroes, because oh, yeah. she, she considers them gods. What's so super about them? Uh, this was where I really noticed it, is that this was the second instance I saw of this type of shot. The first was after Mr. Incredible thwarted the suicide, mm-hmm. is you have two characters walking down, I'm going to call it a hallway. Yeah. And you get a Kubrick shot, oh. where you have a very, very symmetrical shot. Where everything on both sides is exactly the same. Yeah. And these characters are living within it. But they're this shot's extremely well balanced. It was a very weird and very good touch to me. Yeah. That's interesting. I did not notice that. Just, it was something I noticed. I don't know if it was intended to be that. It just worked. I know that the way that they designed these sets was unlike anything else. Because right. in like Finding Nemo, they had, what was it, 30 something official sets? Yeah. Or something. It wasn't a lot. No. In this, they had 130 sets. That's crazy. Which, for an animated film, is- Too many? Bananas. <laughs> to the point that they didn't design all these sets fully. No. They treated it like an actual movie set. Right. We're only going to design what you see. They were over there, you know, doing their mise-en-scene. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they're saving money doing it. Of course. It's a smart- Well, they had to be. They had I mean, to. This was a $92 million movie. Yeah. That was a lot of money for an animated flick. I really also like how Bob can't say Prague. Yes. <laughs> I don't know that great. if that was on purpose. Prague, Prague. What? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I feel like Edna misses the superhero game. Oh, big as much time. As Bob, she's not hiding at all. Maybe she wants more. to challenge. Maybe more. She's absolutely dying to work with him again. Yeah. She's like, you got to get rid of your hobo suit. Yeah. She calls it a hobo suit a number of times. Throws it in the trash. Mm-hmm. And he picks it out of the trash. Yeah. She does end up fixing it for him. She does. Despite throwing it out. So I feel like Edna is the most complex character of this movie. She does not get a lot of screen time. Oh, that's a bold claim. The reason why I say that is because they're talking about suits. Yep. She wants to make Bob a new suit. Yes. What's Edna's biggest thing? No capes. No capes. And we see the cape montage. Yes. A superhero named Thunderhead gets caught on a missile. Straddle Girl gets sucked into a jet engine. It's unfortunate. I got Metho Man. I think that's what I heard. It was very quickly said. (laughs) It's snagged in an express elevator. Dyna guy. Sometimes it happens. It gets snagged in during liftoff and splashdown gets sucked into a vortex. <laughs> when you look at this, Edna designed all these costumes. Oh, That's how she knows it. Yeah. Do you think Edna feels guilt about capes? I think so. I think you're on something there. She's very against capes. She's super anti-cape. She's very, yet yeah, she is. Uh, and when you go back and you listen, like I read an article, I don't remember where I read it, is it talks about this whole cape thing. Let me see if I can find it really quickly. It was an E! News article. And e. it just says, this theory about The Incredibles proves it might be the darkest Pixar film ever. Ooh. So. I mean, 
it was already pretty much. A, it's we're pretty there. goddamn dark already. Yeah, for for only having five Pixar movies at this point. <laughs> I bet she feels guilty about this. I think you're right. I think definitely you're on And that's why she's really talking against it. Yeah. But she has to live with all this. Yeah. And I mean, we see Edna gets her groove back at some point. She's just building. Oh, yeah. Costume after costume. Costume. Goes no capes. We go back to the par. I'm going to get back into Edna in a bit. Yeah. Uh, We go back to the par house. Helen finds Mirage's hair. We finally got a little cheating thing going on. Despite the dick and down she's getting, she thinks he's cheating on him. Her. I get the man super, but the guy's got to reload. There's no way he's getting time. <laughs> but an affair. It's also an affair super convenient. In that... a Pixar movie. Yeah. Or the hint of one. It's, it's a big hint of one, though. Huge, yeah. The hair on the... And it's not like she went out of her way to catch him. How long do you think it's been since he's actually seen Mirage, though? Like He's been all doing all this training. He has. He's there's making a no... shitload of money, and we know that because there's new cars everywhere. No promise of follow-up gigs. No, there isn't. But he's spending all this money... And he never washed the suit. No, but how close do you think he's getting a mirage for her hair to end up on his shirt? Oh. Because you got to get pretty close pretty to it. Pretty close. I got a yellow lab. If she rubs against me, I'm fucked. Well, so I know. Think, I, think about that. Huh. Yeah. I have a lot of issues with that relationship. That's, I have yeah. a lot of issues with that relationship. Huh. Then she just happens to call at that moment. How, hey, how about that? How perfect. He gets another job. Gets another shot. First time you send the exploding iPad. Second time, just call the landline. It's true. And Helen happens to pick up. Great. Well, yeah, she's suspicious she now is. that she's And Bob's saw the dressed hair. now in just a black t shirt with the jacket and the glasses because he looks real slick. He's a slick looking fella. He's he's totally got his groove. It's going back to the island. I really like the shot of the plane landing in the water. Yeah, that's really cool. It's very cool. Unnecessary, expensive, very cool. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, we get to see the new incredible Mr. Incredible suit for yep. the first time, the red with the eye logo. Get to see him eating some shrimp cocktail. I cannot figure out. Again, when he sees Mirage, he plays it cool again. Yeah. And I cannot figure out if this is an act still. And it just doesn't work. And then we see the waterfall door, which is very cool. Very cool. Also unnecessary and expensive, but very cool. Correct. <laughs> and then Mirage tells him to wait in this room. I guess it's like a hotel room, if you will. A113. Yeah, and I... Oh, no. That's not yet. That's not yet? That's the Pixar. A113 is the conference room they sent him to. Why don't you explain A113? A113 is... Is that the room at Cal Cal, Cal Arts? That's uh, which is like, where John Lasseter met Brad Bird. It's like the intro to animation class or yes, something like that. Pops up all the time. It's very commonly recurring yeah. in Pixar movies. Yes, it's kind of like the the Pizza Planet. Yeah, car. So Helen's vacuuming. She sees the super suit has been stitched up. It's She's true. Very but curious. Even before that, I didn't realize when he's waiting in this hotel room, he's on the balcony. Yeah, just how goddamn lame it is when a superhero is just lounging in there, just hanging in their, out <laughs> their suit. Helen's vacuuming. Carry on. There's a stitching in the super suit. That's suspicious. Only one person would do that. It's got to be Edna. Let me call her up. Hey, it's Helen Parr. Who? <laughs> what a great touch. Elastigirl. And then Edna flips the fuck out. And the phone is fumbled comedically. Yep. I'll see you in an hour. You'll be here in an hour. <laughs> great. So I'm, I'm going to assume while she's traveling to see Edna, we get Bob vs. Omnidroid. Yes. Round one. Or round two. Round two. Round two. The new and improved Omnidroid. Because he goes into conference room A113. A113. It's not a conference room. That's a set. Because the Omnidroid just tears that just wall out, pulls him on behind out. behind the wall. And we meet our official villain. Good old Syndrome. Is Buddy. It's Buddy. Buddy's back, from, guys. It's Incredible. He's back. He's not Incredible anymore. No, he's buddy. not. 
And he gets them with he that finger. The finger right. Bitter. The finger right lifter. The anti-gravity finger. Yeah. The, the f- gravity finger. Gives him the finger. Yeah. So Buddy gives Mr. Incredible the finger. And uh, Buddy is butthurt from some shit that happened 15 years ago. He's not happy about the I work alone thing. He is not happy about and the I work alone will thing. keep reminding him of it. Uh, what I really like is that I guess Mr. Incredible is doing things while Buddy's monologuing. Yes. And Buddy catches himself monologuing. Yes. Which is extremely aware of this movie. So good. And they, there was a joke earlier about Frozone when they were in the car, listen to Blue Scanner, where another guy got caught monologuing. Oh, where yeah. they make this a thing within yeah. the movie. Sometimes you get caught monologuing. It's terrific. Syndrome accidentally throws Mr. Incredible a mile away yep. with his anti-gravity thing. <laughs> Whoops. He goes and uses his rocket boots to hunt him down. Naturally. And Mr. Incredible dives off this cliff that he's on all of a sudden and ends up down a waterfall and then- In a cave. Buddy uses the- The little, the bomb. The bomb his wrist, the wrist bomb. And it blows up and it pushes, I think that actually might have saved Mr. Incredible because it pushed him so. out the hole and doesn't have to hold his breath as long. Yeah. I would appreciate that. Then he sends down his little tracker droid. Which? Which doesn't see him behind those bones. Of Gazer Beam. Of Gazer Beam. Another superhero that was killed by a version of the Omnidroid. Oh, Gazer Beam. So it doesn't see through the skeleton. Somehow. After this happens, we get a very... Well, no, well, he sees... He sees Kronos. He sees Kronos and I guess it was carved in, but it was like... Written into the wall with, with lasers. Sure. Oh, okay, well... From, from Gazer Beam's by a Gazer laser. Beam. Yep. Um, how did Gazer Beam know? I don't know, and it's not explained, and I don't think we care. Yeah, I don't think it matters. So, which is, you know what? Move it along. We'll doesn't, get there. Doesn't matter. Helen gets to Edna's. Yes. That suit factory is amazing. amazing. I love how it reminds me of when you watch something, like I thought of D2, the Mighty Ducks. Okay. Where they're on Rodeo Drive, and they're doing the fashion show yes. thing. And this, this like- platform that edna and helen are sitting on they're having like their tea i guess whatever yeah, it is i think and tea, it moves coffee, something like that. with the suits that edna's showing off it's great and you see the fireproof baby suit yeah up to because, a thousand degrees because why not doesn't protect the face whatever doesn't baby's face <laughs> melted also it bulletproof is, for what it's worth maybe that was the suit that the dude who shook joker's hand in batman wore oh because that's his clothes that were makes sense fine his and clothes he were f- exploded from the inside. Yep. He's been hanging out with Edna. Uh-huh. He didn't have a he cape either. He knows Edna mode. So, didn't have a cape. Smart move so... not having a cape. Smart move. We see Violet's suit, which will disappear along with her. Which is uh, And great. we see Dash's suit, which can- No friction in the thighs. That's a good thing. No chafing. No chafing. It's really what it does. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to light his crotch on fire by running too fast. No, he runs very fast. He doesn't run flash fast. No. But he runs very fast. Very fast. He's a very fast boy. He's not Flash. He's Dash. It's true. Uh, Edna decides to just poke the bear and hints at the cheating a little more. Sure. Because I think she likes the drama of it. She likes having being back in this world. Oh, absolutely. She can. She moves it along. That's all. That's all good and all. Yeah. Plays on the insecurities. Uh, is at this point- The new suits have trackers built into them? They do have trackers built into them. Which is important. It is very important because we go to Cerebro. It is <laughs> straight up Cerebro. It might as well be Cerebro. And uh, Mr. Incredible on the Island finds all the files of the superheroes who have fought and died yep. against the various versions of the Omnidroid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody thinks he's dead, so he sneaks into the lava room. Yep. Goes in, visits Cerebro. I don't understand how the lava room works. I don't either. Because it's actual lava. It's lava. That's like and goddamn Moses parting the red yeah. lava. How do you part lava? I don't, unless it works the same way as the waterfall did, where it was something higher up that kind of brought it down, but Maybe. we're not shown that. Maybe. To me, 
It didn't work. I had questioned it right away. Came real close to getting lava burnt. Yeah, he did. And he doesn't have that Jack Jack suit. After he so was it doesn't matter. Carrying around that that uh Easter Island head and then And he hid behind it. Hid behind it yeah. and, and Mirage is clueless and has no peripheral vision. None. So none. <laughs> so he's at Cerebro. Uh, finding out syndrome about cerebro. All of his friends dead. All of them, but he, I like that he searched his wife. Yes. He searched Frozone. Frozone's location. He searched himself. No. Learned. He's dead. He's dead. He's like, oh, you know what? I have a feeling that Mirage was just in there entering in his file that he was deceased. Yep. We're going to quickly cut back to Edna's where Helen is calling the insurance company, finds out that Bob oh, was fired two months ago. Bob hasn't been there in two months. Edna asks, hey, do you want to find him? Holds up the tracker. She says, yes. That tracker goes beep, beep, beep. What an inconvenient thing to have the locate the, the person on the other end's suit beep at the same time. Especially when you're in a room that's going to gel gun the fuck out of you. The gel gun is really cool. That animation is insanely good. It's so good. Bob gets captured. Simple as that. So captured. Back at Edna's, Helen's all crying because Bob's been lying to her. Right. Apparently, Edna's got an incinerator built into her kitchen island. Which is neat. I like it. I want one. Helen realizes she's got to go save Bob. She has to, yeah. So He's... she goes back to the house to play mom, which I love whenever Helen is playing mom. Yes. Uh, the kids. You got a kid with super speed and you got an invisible kid. You can't go leaving them around at all. They figure out what's going on pretty goddamn quickly. Yeah. They find out their suits, They're, yeah. which I don't know why she brought them there. Yeah. Didn't have to. No, she, she didn't want them to be involved. left them at Edna's and- that wouldn't find. She calls up her buddy, gets a plane. Yeah, I like yep. the line here uh, where Dash immediately puts on his suit. Yeah, and she's like, "Take that off. Somebody might see you." They're in her bedroom, and she just pulled the blinds shut. Who's gonna see him? Answers no one. Okay, is that just especially you... no one would especially see him if he's hiding behind a skeleton? That's true, uh, because skeletons are impervious to detection. It's true. Yeah, that's uh, maybe it's just something you say to a kid to get them to take off a super suit. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not a parent. I am. <laughs> well, how do you get your daughter to take off her super suit? I'm cutting this whole part <laughs> because I want to say, yeah, that's what priests tell little kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Helen calls up her old buddy. Didn't catch the name. Doesn't matter. Gets plane. It's government issue plane. I'm assuming, you know, it might be, it might be Bud Lucky. I don't know. Uh, it's it's her, um, it's her, her old cohort there. Okay. What's his, I don't remember his doesn't name. matter. Plain guy. He gets plain. He, he's not in the movie at all, except for that one scene where she calls him and says, I need to call in your OU1 or whatever. Yeah. She owes him one. Fine. She fly, starts flying the plane towards the island because she has him tracked. Sure. Uh, Jason Lee's talking to a captured Bob who's all strapped up. Yep. Can't do anything. Why did he keep him alive at that point? I don't understand it either. I don't know. Helen is calling in because she doesn't understand what's going on yet on the plane and saying like, hey, well, I'm requesting landing, yada, yada. Syndrome decides to welcome her by pushing the red button, which launches missiles. That's usually a problem for planes. Generally. Holly Hunter did a lot of research for this part of the movie. Why? All of the things she's saying in that plane. Are real plane things. Real plane things. That's so cool. She's the best. All very accurate. She's the best. That's a professional. That really is. That's taking the time. Yeah. I like how Helen is fighting... Like, she starts sensing something's off as yeah. she's flying, and she keeps looking at the suit, if she should put it on or not. Yeah. And I like that fight, and eventually she decides- Interesting that she's yep. on the plane alone. Yeah. And she goes into the bathroom to put the suit on. That is weird. But luckily- For the kids. For the kids that, yeah, that, that's scarring. that are there, yeah. she did. Yeah. Because they're she there. was not alone. The kids the are plane. there. One's invisible, one's hiding. 
Simple as that. Yeah. We got a family affair. They ask what happened at home, and we meet the babysitter for the oh. first time, Kari. Kari. Isn't she great? She's playing baby Mozart. She yes. wished she had baby Mozart. Kari could use some fucking baby anything. She seems a little uh, ditzy. A little bit, yeah. She's great, though, for the small amount that she has to do. Helen's a mom, and I keep getting reminded of that. Yes. Where she's a superhero, but she's trying to keep a family together. And I think that is the strongest part about her character, is she's playing kind of both sides of the coin. And she shows it so well in the next 10 minutes or so. Yes. Missiles get locked on. Yep. She has to avoid them. And one of the darkest points of this movie, she says, there's kids on board. Yeah. The tension in this scene is, is unreal. It's insane. It's incredible. And I feel like it gets escalated after she says there's kids on board and you see Mirage's face. Mirage is like, and what? And she's horrified. Mirage is like, I'm cool with killing all these superheroes, but I am not down. There's just kids on board. With and killing kids. is horrified. But at this point, the missiles have been launched. They there's not been, a lot that can Syndrome be done. doesn't do anything syndrome is like ah kids who cares they would just end up on the escalator again (laughs) damn kid (laughs) off the escalator uh they get off that plane because they they have to after some fancy flying turns Uh, into a we get a parachute mom parachute mom different than tiger mom that's parachute mom it is different they land in the water and this animation is wild how did they do that i don't know but they have wet hair they're very wet people in general. It's this amazing. is incredible. I know I said it again. I'll drink. <laughs> it's incredible yeah. how they pulled this off. It's it's very impressive from an animation standpoint. It is. And and yeah. Kudos to to Bradbird. Agreed. Because I don't think they would have gone to that much detail if no he way. wasn't like, no, they have if to he have wasn't wet cracking hair. A whip. They have to have wet hair. Yeah. Damn it. Mr. Incredible here at the planes down. Yep. Because Syndrome is there telling him. Mr. Incredible grabs Mirage and threatens to and crush her. Threatens to crush her, to which Syndrome, Syndrome is like, doesn't give go ahead. any fucks. Go ahead. And he puts her down, and they leave the room, and this part killed me, is Mirage is leaving the room, and you hear Mr. Incredible in the background just sobbing. Yeah. And it is absolutely heartbreaking. It's, uh, it's emotional. And it's like, I know they're alive, but the fact that he this has guy no idea. has no idea is... It's brutal. We get introduced to two new characters called Boat Mom and Dash Engine. Yep. Boat Mom uh, and Dash Engine. They, uh, last girl forms into a boat, Dash runs his Where ass off. Where arms go? Who cares? Okay. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. You're right. Uh, they make it to land. Yep. And I like this little touch where Helen says that she's proud of Dash. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's a nice little, hey, good job using your powers like I've always told you not to do. Proud of you. Now, that's interesting because we get to the cave scene. This cave scene, I think, is the most important scene of this movie. Okay. In this cave scene, Helen is snapping at Violet because she says you need to use... Helen is saying you need to use your powers. Violet's saying you told us not to. Yeah. Helen's having a really hard time keeping it together here because she understands the stakes. Yeah. Violet does not. No. What? Helen lays it on the line and says, you know the movies that you usually watch? These men are going to kill you if they get the chance. She. Just puts it all out there on Front Street. Yeah. Important thing that I forgot about is on the airplane. Yes. Helen told Violet to force field force that bad the plane. boy, and she couldn't do it. She's like, ah. Violet feels pretty pretty bummed out about this. Yeah. Uh, she is ashamed about it. She couldn't do it. Helen says, doubt's a luxury we can't afford right now. Yeah. 
you, you could see the moment on the plane where the kids realize, oh, shit, just got real. It did get real. But I still don't think that they, I think Dash kind of realizes it. Yeah. But I don't think Violet does. Yeah, Violet's still like, oh, we almost still got her one eye covered. She's still emo. She's still. true. She's listening to that dashboard confessional. (laughs) And she just doesn't get it yet. Yeah. She will soon. I like the next, uh, they cut to Syndrome admiring his rocket. Yep. Oh, he loves his rocket. Mirage is pissed at Syndrome. She says, next time you gamble, bet your own life. Yes. That's pretty goddamn warranted if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely. Yeah. And, uh. This was the part where I actually had paused the movie and said, this is a Disney Pixar movie. (laughs) (laughs) And this was also the part that I actually had to consciously think about the score of this movie. And it made me think, is it a great score because of how well it blends in and how well it helps this movie along? Or does the score need a little help? Because I think the Incredibles theme is amazing. Yes. But is the score itself working for the movie? Hmm. Because now that you say that, I don't I have anywhere it. in my notes. I didn't notice it until I consciously said, "Like, where's the score?" Yeah, I don't have that anywhere in my notes. Actually, it's very jazzy because I've been known to yeah. say my fair share of of Michael fucking Giacchino. Yeah, and for I, other movies, but uh, well, I mean, obviously not him. But just now, I get it, but. But is yeah, I don't score? have that written in is my notes. Is it a good score anymore. because it blends in that well, or is it not a good score because it's that forgettable? That's tough. I don't know. I think that comes down to personal preference. Because it does elicit emotion. It does. It's just not noticeable. Yeah. It Maybe it blends in that well. Maybe, maybe. it fits the Maybe Elfman's fucking well. up. <laughs> you kidding. take it back. I'm you take it back. Never, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I couldn't even get through the words without starting to chortle. <laughs> Elastigirl tells the kids to stay put in the cave. Yep. She goes off and runs off to Syndrome's, I'm going to call it a Doctor No Lair because that's exactly what it made me think of. Yeah. Little James Bond action here. It's awesome because they're sliding doors and she gets stuck in them. Yeah, she sure does. She also checks out a button one shot. Yes. Yeah. She's in the mirror. She's still a human being. Made me real happy. Yeah. Um, She gets stuck in like three sets of doors. At the same time. And she's still kicking ass with her legs. She's kicking ass. With her fist, she's kicking ass. Even when she can't see who's in the room, she's, she's kicking an ass. Incredible character. What kind of character? I'll drink. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she really shows off those yep. stretching powers there. Yep. Syndrome decides to launch the rocket. This is really anticlimactic, and I really like that because this is not a big point of the movie. Right. That thing was going to launch no matter what. Right. And the movie knows that. It the doesn't make a big is, deal out of it. The rocket is going to get to where it's going. Don't you worry. We're going to burn through this a little bit quicker. Yep. No rocket pun intended. <laughs> um, the kids are in the cave with a goddamn rocket exhaust. <laughs> Which is like, it seems like it's a far way away from the rocket for the exhaust to be getting that far. Luckily, Dash is going through the cave and exploring and he yep. sees the fire coming because if he hadn't done that, they would have been toast. But he runs back, gets Violet, and they book it out of the tunnel. Yep. And then they fall asleep in the forest for the night. Yes. And that's really that. So- the next morning, a lot of the shit happens because the Omnidroid gets to the city or yep. it's on route for the city. Mirage tells Mr. Incredible, family's still alive. Oh, she, yeah, because the, the spy bird see him, sees him. The spy bird. Yep. Spy bird. Helen finds Bob hugging Mirage. Yep. Which is another hint at that. Uh-huh. That, that are, affair. Did they or did they not? And they not? get that yeah. long range punch. That stretchy punch. And she knocks stretchy the fuck punch. out of Mirage. And he's just like, she, she was, helping was me. saving us. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't matter. There's a fun shot of one of the uh, one of the minions on the on the little RV there. Who uh, is it really? He says, um, 
as the as the Omnidroid is in the city, he says, take a drink for everyone who runs away or something like that. Or it's like every time somebody screams, take a shot, something to that effect, which is great. Is that the champagne in the RV? I think so. That's when the whole family's together again. We're not there yet. Right, right, right. We're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. Dash learns to run. There's these gliders with people on it. Dash is having a great time running. Yeah, he is. And you can tell. Violet learned how to force field. She sure did. And she is saving people left and right with said force field. She's great at force fielding. Uh, Dash goes up against this glider man. Yep, glider man. As they're soaring around. Dash realizes he can super punch these guys, but he's not a very strong boy, so he doesn't knock anyone over. And then the glider man outright punches Dash right the fuck off the glider. Sometimes you got to punch a kid. I guess Disney Pixar. (laughs) Disney Pixar. (laughs) Uh, A lot of these gliders are crashing. Yes. Are these glider men dying? Disney Pixar. Oh, 100% they're dying. Disney Pixar. They're definitely dying. No way they're surviving. It's hard to keep that in the back of your mind sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of death in this movie. Yeah. I believe the body count is 21. Disney Pixar. Disney Pixar. 21 dead. (laughs) But yes, the Velocipods. Yeah, you get this really scary scene of Violet taking this one one henchman on one on one where she's invisible. He's firing a machine gun at her into the water. Into the water, and she should be dead. Probably should be. Dead. He throws dirt in. He knows what he's going against. Yeah, he. That might like, be the best henchman of all time. The smartest. Right. One he's like, hey, this girl's invisible. That's Let's a career henchman. Throw some dirt in the water and find her. Clever. Violet learns how to do a running force field. Yes. Dash is running, and she is the force field. They're, they're a little hamster. And this works out because they end up running into Bob and Helen. Little hamster ball of doom. We did it. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. An incredible <laughs> hamster ball of doom. An incredible ha- hamster ball of doom. And we find mom and dad. And then we get the RV. Yep. We get the RV. I don't know why there's an RV in this movie, but it works out I don't know, later. But the so that's lucky. Bad guys are doing shots. They are doing shots. Which is great. Disney Pixar. But just when you thought they'd get away. They made a drinking game out of destruction. They did it to themselves, which Love is the it. best part. Syndrome catches him again. He gives him the finger. Gives the whole family the finger. He's got to give the whole family the finger. Where was he that whole time? I don't know. He was kind of just hanging out. He was probably like, ah, launch my rocket. I'm going to take some time off. Probably playing Sega. I'm going to get lunch. Because didn't want to piss off Mirage, though, with this, because hell hath no fear like a woman scorned for Sega. This is the 60s. Yeah. They had malls in the 60s. Not on that island. Not not on No Manison. Isn't the name of the island? The name of the island is No Manison. Oh. No Manison Island. Why not? <laughs> uh, this is where Syndrome learns that. I feel like none of these mall rats references are landing except for the escalator. I love mall rats. It's, it's a good movie. One of my favorite movies. It's very good. Doesn't matter. Syndrome catches <laughs> the family with the finger. Uh, he realizes that. Great quote. Mr. Incredible? Says, you married Elastigirl and got busy? (laughs) And got busy. Disney Pixar? Disney Pixar. This is an important part of this movie because we finally learn what the the villain's true motivation is. It's taken us, what, an hour, 40 minutes to figure it out? Yeah. But it also falls into the character's name. The character's name is Syndrome. Yes. His motivation is that he wants to send this Omnidroid to the city so that he could save the day. This sounds familiar. This character is named after the hero syndrome. What the hero syndrome is is a phenomenon affecting people who seek heroism and recognition, usually by creating a desperate situation which they can resolve. Yes. He's a little sociopath. He's a lot of sociopath. (laughs) But I think that's such a nice little touch. Yeah. Due to the name and due to what he's trying to accomplish here. I'm very happy that 
you are on board with that as well. Absolutely. His whole thing is, is that he's going to save the day. And then after he retires, so he's looking, he's got future plans. Oh yeah. He's, he's going to sell his inventions to everyone. So everyone could be superheroes because when everyone's super, no one is. Violet hmm. escapes after syndrome leaves because Mr. Incredible's monologue. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then, and Dash starts to say something and his mom's like, ah, yep. don't interrupt your father. And this is where we get the RV. Yes. And they end up taking the RV and the rocket and they fly to the city. Yep. Frozone, see, we forgot he was a character for a while. Frozone has he's not been- <laughs> back and he's got an issue. Oh, yes, he does have an Where's issue. Where's my super suit? <laughs> <laughs> and his wife uh, is so pissed at him this entire time. The greater <laughs> good. they had this dinner planned for two months. What are they doing in these two months that they can't go to dinner? Yeah. I don't know. That's a very important dinner, I assume. I don't know. He can't find this suit. He's got an apartment. He should Where's be able to find this suit pretty goddamn suit? fast. Syndrome gets to the Omnidroid somehow. Somehow. And I like how he built in theatrics to the Omnidroid. Oh, yeah. Where he's got his little wrist thing, his little wrist remotes. And when he punches the arm, the arm falls arm off. Falls after off he after the he hits the button. It's great. What he didn't count for is that he gave this robot AI. Did way too good of a job. It uh, it was better at learning than he anticipated. And that Omnidroid went and fucked up Syndrome. Sure did. So Syndrome might as well be removed at this point. You, uh, you would think. You'd think. The family flies the Omnid- uh, the RV to the city. I really like the Are We There Yet from Dash. Yes. Because you know, it's a family in an RV going on a trip. They're arguing about directions. Oh, about what that's exit to take. So good. <laughs> so good. They're- <laughs> I've been in the car in that situation before. Yeah, no, it's I, it was wonderful. Very recognizable. Like, uh, gotta take this exit. <laughs> I think Bob gets it now because after he gets to the Omnidroid, he says he needs to do it. Yeah. It's kind of a overload of masculinity that he's kind of been fighting this entire movie. Yeah. But I feel like he Chris Jericho'd and he broke the walls down. Ayo. He says he's not strong enough. Helen calls him out on being strong. He says, no, I'm not strong enough. I can't lose you again. Aw. Tear. Aw. She says that they're still a family. They'll figure it out. They'll do it together. Yada, yada. Blah, blah, blah. I really like how Violet uses her force field again against the Omnidroid. And that Omnidroid tries to butt stomp her. Yep. Into the road. <laughs> oh, guess what? You have a force field? It <laughs> doesn't matter. I'm going to smash you into the ground. We reached my last issue with this movie, though. Okay. It's a biggie. A biggie. I don't care that Bob happened to find Syndrome's remote just laying all willy-nilly on the street. I feel like it's way too convenient for a movie that's this smart. That's fair. I feel like it's a cop-out. I feel like it's a way to just get to the end. But where else would that have gone? On Syndrome's wrist. But the Why not go confront Syndrome for the final time in this situation? The bot knocked it off because it knew that's how he was being controlled. The bot just went and slammed him. It didn't matter. The bot didn't didn't use its little surgical fingers and remove it, did the, it? The bot targeted it and shot it off of his wrist. That's just bad strapping then on that wrist. Yeah. You got to do a better job of yeah. strapping. Yeah, I mean, how are you going to knock a, a wrist remote off with targeted lasers? I thought it was too easy. <laughs> so he uses the, they use the remote. Bob realized that the only way they're going to stop this thing, Frozone comes back and he goes skating around. He gets on a yep. snowboard for some reason at yep. some he's point got to do the same exact thing that tube. he's doing. Doesn't matter. They use the remote to use an arm, the arm that broke off earlier. 
going to launch it. They're going to launch it right at him. They only get one shot. They get they luckily Which land the shot. Impressive because how many shots did it take for him to do to do in the uh, the previous version? Yeah, no, he, when he was inside it, no scope headshot. No scope <laughs> That's headshot. What that came that down to gotcha, noob. They saved the day. Everyone sees that the Incredibles have saved the day and Frozen saved the day, and Cinder's yeah. all pissed about this. Yeah, Cinder's going to get a new job. Yeah, he sure as is. a babysitter. The babysitter in the limo. I really like the phone calls from the babysitter that are all panicked. Yes. And Helen is just listening to them. New babysitter. She freaks out. It's Syndrome. Syndrome's got Jack, Jack. Jack, don't like the sleeping baby. Uh, Syndrome gives him a finger once again. Yep. Gives him all the finger. Takes off with Jack, Jack. Yep. Jack, Jack has all of the power. Every one of them. Everyone. <laughs> he lights on fire. He becomes a lead boy. And then he becomes a demon boy. He's like, he's like the demon Hulk baby. Yeah. And he fucks up Syndrome yeah, up he there. Does. He's just ripping things off and just just going all out. And then Syndrome. Syndrome gets on his airplane. Elastigirl catches Jack-Jack. Jack-Jack's fine. Mm-hmm. Don't panic. Syndrome gets on fine. his airplane. Fatal flaw in Syndrome's costume. Syndrome's got himself a cape. Ooh. Let me ask you this. Okay. Where does Syndrome get his costume from? I think he probably makes it himself. Do you think he made it himself or do you think that he is enough into the superhero world that he knows who Edna Mode is. <sighs> I don't His think- His costume has nothing special about it. Right. There's nothing special about this costume. It's got an S on it. Yep. But it is a superhero costume. There's no denying that. Sure. Edna's the queen at making these things. Yeah. I don't think Edna makes costumes for villains. Or do you think Edna makes costumes for villains and puts a cape on them? Oh. And that was kind of the- second part of what i was talking about oh earlier that's so dark it's extremely dark <laughs> i like the theory i do too i like it but, but I, I feel like syndrome's the kind of guy who's very do-it-yourself i feel like he is too but there's nothing about his costume that is super at all he's got that's rocket true. boots which are an attachment he's got these right. wrist remotes it's an which are accessory accessory yeah this suit's nothing it's just a, so just a, did he go to edna to make this suit I feel like Edna's suits are look better. <laughs> it's not a bad looking suit. Yeah. The S is a bit much. It is a bit much. It goes neck to dick. But then again, so. <laughs> Edna's a bit much. Yeah. So there you go. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not going to say no. We'll leave that open ended. I like that. Let's leave it open ended. Uh, In fact, I hope she made it and put a cape on it. Wouldn't that be something? That'd be great. She's the real hero? Question mark. If that's the case, that character's even more complicated than we thought. Yeah. We end this movie with the track meet. Track meet. Violet plans out her date with a very shy Tony Ridinger. Interesting turn of events there. It is. What a great little character. And her arc. hair's back. It's true. It's not in front of her eyes. How about that? And she's not wearing dark drab colors. She's, she's moved on from listening. She's a whole new person. Yep. She's not listening to Death Cab for Cutie anymore. <laughs> she's listening to Foo Fighters. She's she's put away the yellow card and the something corporate and <laughs> she's moved on. Red Hot Chili Peppers. The, these are all 2004 references, not 1967 references. Nope. <laughs> Dash is in his track meet because he gets to do sports now and it makes him happy. Yeah. It's great. He has to really pace himself out. I love how the family's in the crowd yelling, go for second. <laughs> oh, my God. I love the guy next to them. So confused. Who's like, what? <laughs> As they're leaving the track meet, uh, new villain pops up. Yes. The Underminer. The underminer. It's John Ratzenberger. Sure makes is. His, he makes his token Pixar appearance. Also based on the Everyman model. Heavily modified. And there you go. And then that's the scene, darling. That's the Incredibles. That's the scene, darling. (laughs) 
<laughs> What'd you think? Over now that we've gone through it again, I know we we've, we've recently watched. What'd you think? Like I said, I like the movie. It's a good movie. Yep. It's got a lot of heart. Yeah. Don't like them as superheroes. What don't you I like, like them about as them? families? As a family, I like them as action heroes. I have a problem with them as superheroes because they're I I feel like their motivation is misplaced. In what way? Well, what would you say Bob's motivation is? I feel like Bob's motivation is similar to Uncle Ben, where Uncle Ben got laid off because he didn't know how to use computers. <laughs> Uncle Ben's been doing something his entire life yep. and wasn't willing to change. Sure. And I feel like once Bob's been doing the super thing his whole life. Yeah. I like how there's no origin stories, by the way. No. None. None. Zero. Nope. It seems like it's Don't a genetic it. thing. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what right. it is. Don't care. It seems like people are born super. Correct. They just live in this world. They're a part of it. Fine. Yeah. I feel like his motivation is that he's been doing this this long, that he's not willing to change. He's not willing to live the mundane life. Sure. Helen is an extremely deep character. Yes. Very Her much motivations so. I agree. are, she's an incredible wife. Yep. She's an incredible mother. Yes. She happens to be stretchy. Yes. Simple as that. That's fine. Oh, and she's horny as fuck. Oh, big time. Yeah. Uh, the kids don't have motivation. No. Violet. Actually has the biggest arc in this entire movie, in my mind. She goes with the biggest change, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, Dash is Dash. Yeah. I feel like he grows up a little bit. There's something there. I guess. Uh, In terms of motivation, though, I feel like it's just a matter of we're super. We have these powers. They're not anything, I guess, externally special. Sure. But internally, they're just a part of us. Yeah. So it seems like they're only invested in themselves. It has nothing to do with protecting and serving and helping. It's Possibly. It's very self-focused, family-focused, which is fine. They're a family. It makes it's, sense. I'll go with possibly because there's a lot of things in Bob's office. He has the the crayon drawings from the kids. Yeah, there's newspaper clippings as well. But he's listening to the police scanner not because he's trying to show off, but because he understands he has these powers and that he can do something about it. Yeah, but even in his defense, when he goes back to the house, yep, after after going through the burning building with Frozone, he eats himself some cake. He does eat he, himself some cake. He got to save. He gets a handful of cake. Got yeah. to be a superhero and have his cake he too. He had his cake and he ate it. At no point in his defense, that's, that's Iron Man heavy-handedness right there. <laughs> at no point in his defense to Helen does he mention I saved people. Correct. It has nothing to do with that. He just wants to relive the glory. He's doing it for himself. Yeah. Or that he's so used to doing it that it doesn't, that it's so inconsequential to him at this point. Do you remember earlier when I asked you if you think you had, if Bomb Voyage had powers? I do remember that. And you said no? He has powers? He has no powers. As far as I can tell. Okay. So every villain in this movie is a non-powered person. So realistically- Every bad, every antagonist in this movie is a normal person. This is a movie about superpowered people against non-superpowered people. That's fascinating. Which is why I don't like it as a superhero movie, because they're not saving and protecting people for the right reasons. They're doing them to get their own rocks off. Every time they save somebody, it's almost inconsequential. And they almost frame normal people as the bad guys. They almost The suicide do. guy, everybody suing the superheroes. Yeah, I, I get that. But at the end, you can't say it's inconsequential because Syndrome unleashed the Omnidroid on the city. Right. And couldn't stop it himself. Sure. Because it learned. You needed superheroes then. You did. But that was due to a fluke. That's true. That is true. The way it was originally designed, I don't even think Syndrome intended for citizens to get hurt. 
Syndrome's whole motivation for this whole movie is just to kill off the superheroes. Yeah, why does Syndrome build such a giant killing machine in order for him to destroy it? I think he was hoping to lure some superheroes and take them out at the same time. So you're thinking that he... All right, so he wanted to kill supers. We got that. Absolutely. But then why not after he thinks that all the supers are dead, why didn't he then just go back to version one? Well, he didn't think all the supers were dead. It shows it right in Kronos that there are still some that are alive. Yeah, you got Frozone who's still alive. Yeah. Location unknown. Location is known for Frozone. Was it? Yeah, it was unknown for Elastigirl. You're right, you're right, you're right. Realistically, it would just been Frozone versus thing. What's Frozone? He's going to freeze it. Fine, there's nothing serious about that. Did he maybe launch this too prematurely? Should he have made Possibly. sure? Possibly. Yeah. But it, it, I don't know. It's just. It's kind of inconsequential, isn't it? I guess so. Well, shit. <laughs> when you're talking about the superheroes' motivations, like Bob, you're saying that they're doing it for themselves, that they don't even mention saving people. Yeah. What's Bob running from? Aging? Being irrelevant? I'm happy you said irrelevant. Oh. Brad Bird was brought to Pixar for what reason? To continue to innovate. To make sure Pixar didn't become irrelevant. Do you think this is kind of a bigger thing within Pixar? Is that kind of bringing in an outsider like Brad Bird, someone that John Lasseter met at CalArts? Yeah. Bringing in a guy to really shake it up, making sure these folks can't get complacent, can't get irrelevant. Do you think that's kind of like an allegory for this movie when it comes down to it? Definitely could be. I see it. Do you think that Brad Bird's Mr. Incredible, realistically? And do you think that? Pixar itself played off of that notion of, we don't want to become irrelevant. We don't want to get complacent. We don't want to sit with the mundane. We want to stay. I think anytime you write a story, you place yourself in it somewhere. And that makes sense. Does that give you any different kind of thought about it? Or it's just, maybe it's not wrong. Maybe I'm talking out my ass. I don't know. It's something to ponder, but I don't think it changes the character's motivations. But at least it's paralleled somewhere. It's something. Yeah. Grasping at straws, trying to make you love this movie. (laughs) I do love this movie. That's good. I just don't think they had to be superheroes. What would you rather have been? Well, man, I think it's just calling them superheroes. Like, they could have just been people with powers, but the fact that they were, I don't know. Very open about being superheroes? Yeah. That's fair. This really is the first movie that we've kind of watched on this show that wrestles with what it is to be a superhero. Oh, yeah. Because these folks aren't just rich people building suits or in caves or getting bit by radioactive spiders. These are people that are born with these abilities. That's true. Although I do feel like Spider-Man chose to be a hero because he wasn't initially set on that course after he got Correct. But when Spider-Man was born, he was just a nerd. Just (laughs) Just a little old sticky hand nerd. Just rubbing it out. Rubbing it out all over that room. Even though Aunt May would just burst in. It's gonna burst she in wanted. either way. It doesn't matter. It's gonna burst in. It's real gross. Guy. Real Don't gross. Do Don't. But this is the first time we really wrestle what it is to be a yeah. superhero. Yeah. Is you have these great powers. With it comes this great responsibility. What? And now we're looking at it this way: is these folks do have the power. They understand the responsibility. Whereas the villains don't have any power. Right. They don't have any responsibility. That's true. Therefore, like... they're going against the system at this point. Now, they here's... feel like they need to they need to rage against it. Uh, the machine. I see what you did there. It's a Tom Morello throwback. I just gave your Iron Man scoreboy a uh, bit of a leg up with Tom Morello. Did Violet and Dash really understand their responsibility? They did not. 
And I don't think that they did because they're children. I think it's also because they were told to stifle their powers. Correct. Do you think if they, they were born? Do you think if they were born pre-1947, if they were even if they were the same age that they were in this movie, but in 1947, not 1962, they'd have a different outlook on it. Absolutely. Because they just don't know. Right. They don't know what it used to be like. Right. They they spent their whole lives in hiding and not being able to be Correct. who they really are. They've been aware, but they're not able to be themselves. Right. This is our first case of with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. When it yeah, really comes down is, to it. This is a, a situation where it's not just a line said to a guy that I didn't know had powers. Correct. Well, that- Makes me ask you this question. Okay. Is we've been going back to this independent article about modern superheroes and Batman and what Batman did in 89 that modern superheroes don't do now that we've kind of disproved along the way. Yeah, quite a few times. Do you have it open? or I have a makeshift version of the list. Yeah. Good. When we go through that, this movie definitely has a setting. Yes. A oh, 100%. Setting. It has more setting than a lot of superhero movies. Uh, style. Ton of style. I mean, you can't not have style. Giacchino helps them it's... out so hard, too, with oh, his yeah. score. The score. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Michael fucking Giacchino. There you go. The, the style, it's impossible to not have a style when you're doing animation, because everything is designed. Correct. Everything. That's why it's so hard to nitpick this movie, is because you have that ability to go back in and right. correct. Right. Villains? But yet you still find villains. He's got a motivation. Yes. And to me, that stands out. Yeah. He's got hero syndrome. It's also interesting... Uh, Mr. Incredible does have an arc in that one of the very first things he says in the movie is, I work alone. And it was only when he teamed up with his family that he saved the day at the end, which is growth. It's change. It's true. And maybe from that point on, he does things for the right reason. Maybe. But I want to go back to the villain. Okay. Back to the villain. Um, I found what's called the Mr. Plinkett character test. Oh, I've heard about this. Online. I hate it. And- Because I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this is kind of interesting. So the way to do it is that you have to try to describe the villain without commenting on their physical appearance, skills, plot relevance, or relationships. So you're really looking at very little motivation. Right. Outright. Right. So if you got, I'm going to give you an example that it lists here. Obadiah Stane. Sure. He wants to make money. He's dealing under the table and he needs to protect his assets. I'll agree with you on that. That's easy enough to do. Yeah. So it's, that's, that's fine. When you look at someone don't, like don't Doomsday. Oh, Doomsday. Uh, I just went from a so-called good movie to a bad movie. Yeah. And that's how you could see the difference here. Yeah. Of, that's a... Yeah, bad character motivation. You can't yeah. figure it out. So when you look at Syndrome. Syndrome. He has motivation. He's got a lot of motivation. Yeah. He got fucking scorned. Was, yeah. That's how it pretty much goes down. Big time. Is Mr. Incredible bashed child syndrome? Child syndrome. Let's just call him Buddy for kicks. Buddy. Incredible boy. He felt elfed by this giant of a man. Yeah. And- And he had decent tech. He wanted to show off the rocket boots. The rocket boots worked. Definitely. It was shown that the rocket boots worked. I mean, the kid was onto something. It's true, but he works alone, and he was a dick about it, and he ejected he, him out of the he seat. He was a dick about it. He kind of deserved a little comeuppance there. Definitely. Maybe not to the extreme that Syndrome was going to go. Definitely not, but- But- Yeah. He wanted to make sure, he understood that- He's only got this tech. Right. He's not a special person. You don't need to be super to be a hero. Correct. Which is uh, not really the resolution to the movie. You kind of do need to be super to be Everybody, a hero. don't you? Yeah. Super is a hero. Yeah. Would you say it goes against the theme? I don't know. Because I feel like the theme is, yeah, these folks are super. 
But they're just regular people. But they're too. regular people. But they're not regular people. Is they have to leave a they have to lead a secret life no matter what. Right. Right. Dash has to finish second. Cannot finish first. Draws too many questions. Makes me question the theme. I know this is a really hard movie to unpack. Yeah. I mean, realistically, it's the villain's motivations versus the hero's motivations. Yeah. I'm gonna say for the most part, this is a tricky one. It's tough. It's a really tricky one because I mean, when you look at someone like Batman and Joker, not that hard to figure out. No. You look at someone Spider Man and and Norman Osborn, chaos and not that hard to figure out. Nope. Iron Man and Obadiah Stane. It's pretty 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 straightforward. This is this is a bit muddy. Yeah. I get it, and I feel like there's a couple of different ways to watch this, and a couple of different Definitely. things that you can get out of it. Yeah, but for something this muddy, it's still a good movie. It is on our Rotten Tomatoes list. Oh, of our top sixty-four, where do you think this lands? Oh, the top sixty-four. Is it just superhero movies? Just superhero movies. Top sixty-four. Is it eleven? It's eleven. No way. It's eleven. Is it really? <laughs> It's shut up. Is it? No, what is it really? It's eleven. God damn it! They've turned it up to eleven. I no. Is it really eleven? It's eleven. What a Do you weird know number to just no. I don't. Might as well guess since you're on fire right now. Since you're baby Jack Jack. Well, if it's that, it's got to be in the nineties. If it's in the top eleven, it's got what ninety five. Ninety seven. Oh wow! Which is ridiculously high. You're not going to remember this when we get to it because we're far away. What do you think it's sandwiched by? The number 10 and the number 12. Infinity War? Yes. And Black Panther? No. Oh. Uh, Infinity War is number 12. Okay. Number 10? Civil War? Nope. The Incredibles 2. Oh, okay. Which says something about this franchise as a whole. Yeah. Is, I actually haven't seen Incredibles I haven't either, too, which I'm so. excited to see. Maybe we find that's out. That's really, that... really high. And that's a lot of respect for two different movies. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. All right. Speaking about respect. 14 years later, you throw out another heater. It's impressive. Yeah. Well, speaking about impressive reviews, I know you got real mad at me last week. Yeah. Because he didn't read the review for Iron Man by one Mr. Ebert. Oh, it's because it wasn't good. It was a good review. No, no, no. And you didn't like the movie. No, so you that's didn't not the case. read. That's not the case at all. That's exactly what the case was. <laughs> so, <laughs> to make amends, Iron Man got four stars. I only like to read the first bit of the Roger Ebert reviews. Sure. Because they're fun to me and I feel like they get the point across. Yeah. That's for, just good writing. For Iron Man, you're right. It's great writing. This is four stars. Up until this point, we've seen a two star, we've seen a two and a half star. We got a four star. What's his scale? I don't know. I think it's a four-star scale. If it is, that's impressive. Uh, Which is a weird scale. It it is. It might be five. What he wrote was, when I caught up with Iron Man, a broken hip had delayed me, and the movie had already been playing for three weeks. (laughs) What I heard during that time was that a lot of people loved it, that they were surprised to love it so much, and that Robert Downey Jr.'s performance was special. Apart from that, all I knew was that the movie was about a big Iron Man. I didn't even know that a human occupied it and halfway thought that the Downey character's brain had been transplanted into a robot, or fate equally weird. (laughs) So he went into this movie with... With preconceptions. Yeah. Take that for what it's worth. Okay. Okay. He said the special effects look great, the characters are great. Not important. (laughs) It's all not important stuff. I don't know. Roger Ebert. Sounds pretty important. This is real hack. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) Everybody says so. 
What do you say about Incredibles? Three and a half stars. That's pretty good. The Pixar Studios, which cannot seem to take a wrong step, steps right again with The Incredibles, a superhero spoof that alternates breakneck action with satire of suburban sitcom life. After the Toy Story movies, A Bug's Life, Monsters, Inc., and Finding Nemo, here's another example of Pixar's mastery of popular animation. He has not said a thing about this movie yet. Nope. (laughs) That's a problem to me. He's just talking about how great Pixar is. Going to continue doing that, too, of saying, (laughs) if it's not quite as magical as Nemo, how many movies are, that may be because it's about human beings. What? Who have some connection, however tenuous, with reality. It loses the fantastical freedom of the fish fable. I feel like he took a half star off due to uh, this not being about fish. Kind of like he does took stars like he... away for Spider-Man because he didn't understand science. <laughs> right. It does sound like he was yeah. like, I went to a Pixar movie and I expected talking animals. I didn't get any half star deductions. Yeah. And I feel like he gave Iron Man four stars because he didn't understand what it was going into it. How he thought it was about either just an iron suit walking around or a brain transplant. And then he was wrong. and Mr. Ebert? And his reviewing I love process. Roger Ebert, but I'm so happy we get to talk about this stuff. Again, this is only the first two paragraphs. It goes on with an entire review. You can read it if you want. It's great. He goes into a lot of detail. It's wonderful. <laughs> if you want some quicker reviews of the 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, a lot of people just compliment the sleek computer animation. Sure. They love the wry and pointed dialogue. Uh, people say that it's top-notch storytelling. I somewhat agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good storytelling. A lot happens for not a lot happening. Sure. A lot of it's by the book. It's the way that it's presented that really makes it stand out. And there you have it. Nine ten percent We did it. Nailed it. So what you could see from this, people like The Incredibles. So much so that 14 years later, they made a sequel. <laughs> it only took Cars a few years to get a sequel. And that movie is donkey shit. Yeah, Cars 2 is not good. It's not good at all. Cars 3, not good either. <sighs> what it comes down to is, I mean... <sighs> It's a superhero podcast, so I don't need to defend Cars 3, but... There's no... Oh, I forgot. You like Cars 3. I like Cars. I apologize. I like Cars 3. I do not like Cars 2. I apologize. I forgot. Either way, in terms of superheroes, this family is pretty high on that list. Yeah. They are. It's ridiculously high on that list. Despite being not great superheroes. And despite not having capes. Lovely family. Great action heroes. Not good superheroes. That's just my personal take. So that's The Incredibles. It's incredible. It is pretty incredible. I'm going to drink. I feel like you have to. <laughs> Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts from. Yeah. Send follow it. us on Twitter and Instagram at Caped Podcasters. We have one? Yeah. We did it? We did it. We made it. Yay. We're, we're somebody. We're something. We have power? Do we need to have responsibility? Oh, no. Did I give myself responsibilities? Do you think that the Twitter handle at Bonesaw is taken? Oh, definitely. Son of a... I think somebody was ready for that. <laughs> right on that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a shame. What about at Bruce Campbell? I think that's definitely taken. What if I do real Bruce Campbell? I think that's actually Bruce Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, say it again. Say it again. It sounds so good. What's the that? Twitter or Twitter. Oh, or yeah. Whatever. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cute Podcasters. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, leave us any critiques, things yeah. that you want to hear. Things Absolutely. Things that we think, you think that we're missing. Fact check us. Don't fact check us. Don't do that. We're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be like Dash getting punched in the face by a henchman. Well, if we're lucky, we get in a few speed shots ahead of time. 
it won't do anything. We're little boys. Uh, that's We're little true. boys we in are, a great big world. We are little boys in a great big world. So join us next week when we talk about Catwoman. Same pod time, same pod channel. That's The Incredibles. What do you think happens post-credits? I think we cut to, I don't know, 10 years to the future. And uh, inside a room, there's a man sitting in a chair with a clipboard. And laying on a couch in front of him is uh, Kari McKean. And she's <laughs> the going, babysitter. The babysitter. <laughs> yeah, she's in therapy now. Okay. And she's and she's just going on and on about this baby that she, she took care of 10 years prior. All right. <laughs> And she's like, oh, and then he, he lit on fire, and then he phased through a wall, and the therapist just sitting there rolling his eyes, and that's that's that. I, I like it. What do you think happened? I think that they defeat the Underminer the end of the movie. I haven't seen Incredibles 2. I hear he's a part of it. Yeah, that's what I hear. I haven't seen it either. I'll assume that they don't defeat him there. I don't know. doesn't matter. They defeat him, and as they're walking down the street and walking home, from behind them, all they hear is, Reach for the sky. <laughs> they look and turn back, cut the black. Wow. Interconnected universe. Get real dark. I like it. <laughs>